Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Judalyn Cassidy is known as the feminist plumber. She is founder of Tools and Tiaras, a nonprofit organization she created to inspire and mentor young women and girls about jobs in the trades and other traditionally male-dominated fields. She's also a full-time plumber herself based out of New York City, as well as the host of the Tradeswomen Talk podcast, a public speaker, and an advocate for issues surrounding women in the trades. She has been featured on CNN, Madam Architect, and Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, among others. Judalyn grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, raised by her great-grandmother. She had big dreams of one day being a lawyer and not having any role models of women in the workforce, Judalyn drew her inspiration from Wonder Woman and female lawyers she saw on TV. As a child, she loved reading and the works of Shakespeare opened her mind to the vast world beyond the home she knew. She ended up getting married at a young age and coming to live in the US. What she has achieved since that time is so inspirational and we are honored to have her here today to share some of her story and to tell us what she's working on. Welcome to Hazard Girls Podcast, Judeline. You're a busy woman, so I'm glad we're able to get you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Emily. I am really honored and excited to be here and speak to you. Well, you started the organization Tools and Tiaras, that's T and T, and my daughter loved this question, and she said, Mom, this is a really good question. She liked it. So you're originally from Trinidad and Tobago, and your organization is T and T. Was that a coincidence? How did that happen? It actually really is a coincidence that it's actually the <laughs> the acronym for where I'm from. So I gave a speech on the Maker stage in 2017. And in my speech, I said that you should give a girl a tool and a tiara, which is given her confidence, independence, and power. And when I said those things, the universe said, you know that thing that you wanted to do for girls? You have to do it. And that's where the name came from, the speech. And then a couple of months later, I was just telling people about tools and tiaras, what I wanted to do, and asking someone to be on my board. She says, oh my gosh, this sounds so cool. I would love to be part of TNT. And I was like, wait a minute. Wow. Trinidad and Tobago. So it was really that it was just pure coincidence. Even the color scheme, you know, the red and the black and (laughs) the white is the Trinidad colors of the flag. So it was really coincidence. So definitely. Well, I've read a little bit about your childhood that you grew up in Trinidad and Tobago with your great grandmother and your great grandmother passed away before it was time for you to go to university. So you were really without the funds to go to university. And you had all these dreams to do that. So you sort of had to switch gears and you ended up going into the trades. How did you know to do that? Who were your role models? And how did you even get the idea for university? And you mentioned being, wanting to be a lawyer. So, you know, my destiny, you know, 
daydreaming every single day was to be Wonder Woman and to be a lawyer. And I mostly wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to fight injustice <laughs> and stand up for people. So, uh, but when that didn't happen, because in Trinidad and Tobago, being part of the Commonwealth, our primary school and secondary school education is free. But the next step of going to university isn't. So when that was eliminated because of my grandmother's passing, I said to myself, what is the next best thing that I can do that I can earn an income and take care of myself and get out of my circumstances of being really, you know, growing up poor? And the trades was the only other option that was free. So that's kind of like how my journey started into the trades. And I figured at the school that it was being offered called the John Donaldson Technical Institute, they had other programs like sewing and seamstress tailoring, culinary arts and stuff like that. But I knew that a lot of people in my circumstances, women would be applying for that. So I was like, and eh, nah, let's go with a male, you know, with one of these male dominated careers. And I have a better chance of getting in by just pushing the envelope. So that's, how my journey into the trades began. And how did you choose plumbing? Well, I chose plumbing because I was in my mind, I said, plumbing, you get wet, electrical, you get shock. Mm, let's see, I could always dry off. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of like was the, the simple choice at that time, but it actually turned out to be one of the best decisions that I've made because I absolutely, truly, madly love being a plumber. I think it's my superpower. So yeah. I love it. And shortly after trade school, you got married and came to the U.S. How did you get into the trades here? Did you Were you able to get a job right away? No, before I got back into plumbing, I actually was a housekeeper and nanny, a personal shopper. And I love those jobs because it's just my personality. I can't never see myself doing something without loving it. So I did that. But then I worked for a company called Dual Plumbing and Heating. And when I worked for them after a year for working with them, they sent you down to get into the union. And at that time, it was a, you know, a different time, 20 something years plus, <laughs> they took all the guys and they didn't take me. They told me to go home and do dishes. Wow. But that's not the end of the story. Do not feel sorry for me. It actually propelled me, Emily. It made me go home. Well, I cried in the car and then just knew that I would just keep on doing the thing that I love. And that's kind of like what kind of happened until an amazing man called Brian Tatora walked into my life and he spoke to someone that spoke to another someone that spoke to someone. And that's how I became one of the first women that got into the Staten Island local Plumage 371. And how did you meet Brian? On the job site, working with Brian. He worked with me and he looked at what I was doing and he was impressed with the fact that I showed up every single day, despite it being extremely cold and I'm an island girl. So, you know, when it's cold, it's hard. <laughs> so I think he was impressed with my work ethic and the fact that I really love plumbing. And he said he's, he was going to find a way to get me into the union. And he did. And I'm forever eternally grateful for Brian Tatora. Do you still keep in touch with him? 
yeah, he's retired now and I call him up and he's proud of me and he gets embarrassed in situations like hearing this podcast or um, telling him I want him to be in a book that I'm in and he's proud and also he he's embarrassed. He thinks it's me, not him, but he did it. He just, yeah, it's, he's just so awesome. I love that guy. Yeah, our male allies are really so important to us and to the whole movement, just to women uh, working yeah. in these fields in general. Yeah, totally, totally. Because a lot of, I tell young women trying to get into the trades or getting into the trades or on the job side right now that most of your teaching, because of the number, the sheer number, right? Like we said, there's 3.5% women in the trade. So more than likely, the person who's going to teach you your craft is going to be a man. Mm -hmm. So men, you have this responsibility of really showing up and being heroes for us. So I appreciate my brothers and without them, you know, the world's feminist plumber wouldn't exist. <laughs> Judalyn, not only do you have an amazing story to share, but you tell it so well. So I want to go back for a moment because you were a young woman from a different country making it in the U.S. in this male-dominated industry that wasn't easy to break into. And you got involved with the organization Makers Women. You were at the conference and launch of a building and you had a chance to meet some people there. Can you tell us about that and how you went from being an introvert who kept to yourself to being a successful public speaker? So I went to the launch that they will launch in the building and I stood next to someone and I gave her a seat and she sat next to me and we gave up our seat for someone else and we both were standing next to each other. And she's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a plumber. And she's like, that's amazing. And she's like, take my card. And I gave her my card. And they asked me to speak at the conference. And I said, no, I kept saying no. And it was like, no, I said, I wanted to be about the building. They were like, you have such an amazing story. Like, do you know that? Because I don't see that. I just do things because I'm a doer. I just like doing stuff. It's weird. There's no moments of like, yeah, I did that. But that's kind of like how it started because of Makers. And then being on that stage after that, people just started asking me to speak and I would say no. But a friend of mine, Pamela Schiffman, she touched me and she said, Judalyn, you know, it's not about you. It's about all the girls that you're going to inspire. And that was what it kind of like, okay, every time I still get nervous, you know, going up on stages, I get nervous being on television. I still, but her words. Really? Can, yes, I do every time. Even talking to you right before I start, I get nervous. But once I get into it and I think like I'm on the job site talking to the guys, that's where I find my comfort zone. Like pretend like you're on the job site entertaining the guys. <laughs> and then I can do it. But no, I still get nervous every time. Every speaking engagement, every phone call that I have to do via Zoom or something like that, I still do, but I do it while scared because that's what I'm going to teach the girls that I'm scared and I'm honest with that. Mm -hmm. um, and they know that, that you can still do things while being scared. So that's kind of like how all of these things started and it just continues. And I think it's because people see and hear my passion for the trades and for the girls. I just, I'm totally intoxicated with the girls they are they're so much fun and they just bring that young girl inside of me out all the time so I think that's where everybody senses that the passion for the girls mm -hmm. I really everything I do is for the girls like I don't want to do emails I don't want to do phone calls I 
I don't like running a nonprofit, that part of it, but I love teaching the girls. So if I could just do that, yeah. Let's let's talk about that. You know, I know you talked a little bit about what gave you the idea for Tools and Tiaras, but can we get into that a little deeper and find out? You were up on stage and you said, tool, you hand a girl a tool and you hand her a tiara. Can you go into that a little bit? Like where did that initial idea come from and what made you so interested in helping the next generation? Well, I saw that, you know, uh, being around for a long time on the job sites, I was always the only one. And then you find out that since 1970, the amount of women in construction has been 3%. It just went up a year ago, almost two years now to 3.5%. That's what it is. Because like, I'm an activist, even before Tools and Tiaras, I do a lot of volunteer work. I grew up at my grandmother my great grandmother doing volunteer work and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was at Standard Rock or uh, Maria. Now I don't get to do as much because of tools and tiaras like protests and stuff, but I've always been an activist. So that was like, what? That's crazy. I got to change that. And I know that the way we're going to make the change is really speaking to girls and young men really younger, earlier. Like we can't wait till they like finish college and try other things and then come to the trades. We have that. We need to like show them earlier that trades is where the money's at. Mm -hmm. So that's where I made the connection. Like if we show them earlier like the Bible says, you know, you go up in the church, teach them young and they would not depart. <laughs> so it's kind of like that concept, like teaching the girls really young that they can be anything is really going to stay with them. And they're definitely going to always remember that jobs don't have genders. So that's where that came from, actually doing that. And the name Tools and Tiaras, like we said, you mentioned to hand a girl a tool and hand a tiara. But what else does that represent to you and to girls? It truly represents that for me, what it wanted, I, you know, when I said it in the speech was to show that you can like tools and you can like girly stuff at the same time, yeah. or you could only like tools and you cannot like the girly stuff. And it's okay because that's why if you look at our all and over with the tools, it has like wrenches and gears and, and stuff like that. And then we added a little bit of sparkle in it. And that's what the concept is, to really show that you could embrace both sides. Like, you know, I don't wear as much stilettos as I used to, but I love girly stuff. And I also love wearing boots and I love, you know, putting on a baseball cap <laughs> and also blowing out my hair. So I just wanted girls to know that you didn't have to be one or the either, if that made sense. Like you can have both. Exactly. I think to me, that seems like just from my perspective, watching the community talk to each other and watching all of the different organizations that are working on different aspects of helping women in non-traditional fields, it really seems like the idea of you can be both and you don't have to just, you don't have to trade in who you are to do the trades, you know, no pun intended, that it really is sort of the future of the movement. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I just love there's so many amazing women like you and Chicago women in the trades and girls garage and girls built that are just like, like we doing this, we going to make a change because the change is needed. It's been too long coming. Like just the fact that we didn't, I mean, when I started, I know I didn't have proper jeans or jackets or safety gear because they didn't think of us, you know, mm-hmm. and to see that change in it's like, it's to be part of 
being on top of like the bottom of that staircase and now going up and seeing that we almost to the top. We're not there yet. You know, we get in there and to see so many more women and young girls saying, hell yeah, I want to be a tradeswoman. <laughs> it's good. It's a good thing. And I just want to continue the movement and not put a halt to it. Like, how can we make it better? I'm always trying to tweak everything that I do. How can it be better? How can we change this? So I just love that we are doing that now. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the specifics of Tools and TRs, how you operate and how specifically you're connecting with these young women? Well, we definitely, well, how we connect with them is, so the weird thing is a lot of people see us, right? And a lot of people don't know that I started Tools and Tiaras with my own plumber's money. Good thing plumbers make good money. Um, <laughs> so I started Tools and Tiaras with my own money. I picked up bottles, cans, sold my cars, things like that, and funded it for a long time wow. with my own salary. Picked up bottles and cans? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the job site. Yeah, I picked it up. I needed dollars. My girls need stuff. It's not like you're always going to, you know, when you start in nobody, which is understandable. People are not going to believe in you. Are you going to be around a long time? So I started in it. You partially funded it you by just like collecting recyclables? Yeah, that was because I wanted to have the camp. So a lot of it, I invested, you know, my own money where the mm-hmm. 501C, the bank put in the initial set of money in the bank. I maxed out my platinum card. You know, I was just mm-hmm. like, because I believe like I have this thing. If I believe in me, it doesn't matter what anybody else think. People didn't believe in this idea, but I knew it wasn't from me. Right. Because I remember being on the stage and the voice told me that I could, you know. So I knew that I've never gotten anything in life by just easy. It's always come with hard work. So I knew it was going to be a lot of work. But the idea was let's have free monthly workshops and an all girls summer camp. And the idea was that mothers and daughters at our workshop, they come together. We start as young as six years old. Girls come as young as six to our monthly workshop and summer camp. And then the summer camp is for a week at a time. The girls come Monday through Friday and they learn all these different trades, plumbing, carpentry, electrical, ironworking, engineering, anything that I can get a woman to teach Uh, we bring an instructor Mm -hmm. that is woman to teach that. But then we also have a different, another component where we don't only empower them with the tools. We empower them actually with our acronym, True Tools, Total Ownership of Life Skills. Ah. We teach them, yeah. So we teach them meditation, yoga, finances, self-defense. Are they all that? They are there all day. They come Monday through Friday from like 8.30 to 4 o'clock. They come. And so we provide breakfast, lunch, and snacks for them. And they come for a week. And the last day, we take them on a real construction site. So they get to learn all of that. And the last day, they get to go on a construction site and see all the things that they had learned in reality, in practice, in applications and real applications. So it's fun. It's exhausting after the week. And the girls are like, Miss Judelin, can we stay one more week? And I'm like, no, I'm tired. Because <laughs> I take off for the week to do, but it's so much fun. So that's basically kind of like what we do. It's a week long camp. And last year with COVID, we actually had to cancel it. And then we made a pivot. And I like to try new things. And I was like, let's give it a try. And we did the virtual camp. And it was a success. You know, I was surprised. 
because I know how great it is in person, building and using chop saws and drills and welding and all of that is so cool and fun in real life. So I didn't know how we were going to make it work, but it did. We made it work. And, uh, you know, by sometimes when things happen, it makes you realize that you could see things a different way. And actually now we are going to keep that as part of our, of our programming because we were able to let girls in California, Chicago, we had girls from different parts of the country participate. So now it's a part of our programming, the virtual camp. Do you have any stories of girls who have participated that you'd like to share? All the time. We have amazing girls like Samantha. She's one of them. So we had a workshop with JetBlue and then JetBlue participated in our summer camp. And it's so amazing that because of that experience, Samantha wants to be a pilot and she's in uh, aviation. Yes, she's in high school in aviation. And then she sent me the sweetest letter. She said, Ms. Julene, can you write me a letter of recommendation so she can go to a flight program for the summer? And that melt my heart. Like to see that she wanted me to write that letter for her is pretty cool. We have Amaya who wrote this, um, she's going to be a writer. She wrote this amazing story about her mom bringing her to the first Tools and Tiaras workshop. And now it just opened her eyes that women can do anything. And now she is in a CTE high school because she wants to be an engineer. So what is, what is a CTE high school? CTE stands for Construction Technical Education. And those are high schools that are a lot of times parents don't really encourage their children to go to because the pathway that everybody always guides kids to, the guidance counselors, is college. But some students choose the CTE route and CTE students actually have a higher turnaround of sticking with things. So that's Mm -hmm. what she's doing. Yeah, it it really is. We have to get more, you know, this year, and if I can get a little break, I want to do a lot more push for policies to support CTE high schools. They don't get a lot of funding and they don't have a lot of support like other schools. So that's my new activist uh, push right now. Oh, okay. And you're also, speaking of your activism, you're also the founder of Lean In Women in Trades. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Lean In Women in Trades, I happened to, I read the book by Sheryl Sandberg and I love the idea of women leaning in to help each other and not seeing each other as competition and seeing that within those spaces that we are in male-dominated spaces, we can lean in and help each other and bring each other. So the book was like, I used it. I didn't see it as, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Like I was able to flip it to how it applies to me in construction and how I can help other women. So I went to one of their events and I told them about the important things that women in trades do and how our numbers are. And because of that, Cheryl Sandberg was like really, really, and her organization was like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Really? And that's how Lean and Women in the Trades kind of started. And now it's actually a big program that's being driven because of those conversations with the National Building Trades and AFL-CIO to have a whole different programming for women in the trades because our situations are a little bit different than women in offices. So it's a great thing. And I'm so proud that I was a catalyst to make that happen. That's incredible. Are you still involved with it? Yes, I am. I'm still involved with Lean and Women in the Trades, yes. So Not as much as I was. 
Okay. As you, you have a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> And I had to, uh, yeah, and I'm on boards and I was actually one on the board and I had to step off because like you said, I was doing too much. I was on the board of Monumental Women, which we, last year, we were able to get the first statues of women placed into Central Park. Never has there been a woman and um, we were able to make that happen. So I'm really an activist. <laughs> Do you, is there, I would love to be pointed to an article or something. I think our listeners would too about that. Where are the statues and do you have an article or anything that would show us? Yes, I could send you that, but you can definitely, even if you want right now, people, if you're listening to us, type in monumental women and there you can go on their website. You can donate you. There's Instagram page. There's a Twitter page, but it's beautiful is, you know, Sidonia Truth, Stady. I'm just kind of tired, but it's an amazing, it was just an amazing thing to make happen. So if you ever in New York City and you in Central Park, go visit the statue and you would see these amazing women. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Emily Roebling one in Brooklyn. And yeah, that's a different project. And then what is the, the statue of the little girl in the bowl called? Fearless Girl. Yes. 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 That's another amazing one. So, yeah, I get to be, you know, I'm blessed that I get to be part of these amazing things that are happening for women to see that we were able to do that after, you know, Pam Ellum, who really fought to do this six years and really was a lot of pushback that it's in a reality now that women could walk to Central Park and actually see women. Wow. Wow. And how important that is, which goes back to the beginning of our conversation where, you know, growing up and having, not really having role models, but you had to really see it in the media and to to know that it was something you could do. It kind of goes back to that because like little children, little girls walking through the park weren't seeing any images of themselves or any representation. Yeah, it speaks volumes, especially for women of color, too, to see Sidonia Truth, you know, in that mix. Yeah, it's it's going to change lives and it's changing lives. You could There's probably a little girl like me growing up without a mom or a dad, and she just happened to be there with her friends or on a school trip visiting, and she look up and she sees women. Yeah. She says, one day I would be on a pedestal, one day. You know, that... Whew, that is just saying it makes me want to cry because I know how powerful it could be, you know, to see somebody like that, like looking like you. I know when I saw it, you know, being part of it is one thing, but to stand in to see the features of Sajonia Truth and she's me, I am her, and those women are me. And those women were instrumental in giving us the opportunity as women, uh, you know, with beatings and stuff, Susan B. Anthony and them, to be able to give us the opportunity to vote. You know, that's powerful. It's so powerful and it's so important that we don't let the next generations to come forget that, you know, give them that ability to learn about it and to know about it. Well, where can our listeners find you? Where can they either get in touch with you or follow your page or sign up for your mailing list, anything like that? Yeah, so I'm Googleable. I like saying that word. I made it up. <laughs> when I go to high schools, I tell the kids that when they don't think I'm cool. I'm like, I'm Googleable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you can definitely find me on, I'm on LinkedIn with my name, Judlyn Cassidy. 
I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, and same thing with Tools and Tiaras. We are on all of those platforms except TikTok because that was just too much work trying to do all of those social media right now until I get more people to help us. So definitely you can find us. And we always looking for help. We always looking for women who want to be help, motivate, encourage and inspire the next generation of trailblazers, fearless girls, rule breakers, <laughs> our rebel girls. We are always looking for women to help us with that next generation. So just reach out. I'm always, always willing to listen. It'll take a little time sometimes for me to respond just because of having a full-time job and all of these other things, but I will definitely get back to you. I probably might be really short. Hello. Okay. <laughs> but when you talk to me, it's so much more fun on the phone. So <laughs> let's connect. <laughs> That's so great. Well, Judeline Cassidy, thank you so much for doing this. You have such a powerful story and you're an awesome role model and advocate. And we thank you for all the work you do and for joining us today on the Hazard Girls podcast. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. It was fun. And thanks for being part of uh, the collective. We are part of the collective and linked in doing this. So thank you. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.